Well, listen, I am thrilled that you're here today. We have, it's a little crowded this morning. We've got plenty of seats in first service and on Saturday night. If you've not tried Saturday night, love to have you there. But I want to say I have been uh, gone a couple weeks in Mississippi. I hope you missed me. I missed you. But I was helping my, far, my dad and my brother. They're farmers, and uh, they needed a tractor driver. And how many know family's got to be important? And uh, it was a fun little getaway. But I had forgotten what it was like working six days a week, 10, 12, 13 hours a day. But uh, anyway, you that do that today, I feel a little bit more for you. Listen, uh, good news. I-, I was just elated on our new beginnings. Our new beginnings is our venture. We're remodeling uh, soon the old Gander Mountain building. Let me just say from the bottom of my heart how grateful I am, your willingness to commit to help us do this. I was thrilled at the commitments that were made. And this week, good news from the architect, he said he's got the last plans from our engineer. So this Tuesday, he gets the official stamp plans. Wednesday, we submit to the city for permit. So that's great news. We'll be doing formal bidding, and after the city takes two or three weeks, whatever they take, we're off and running. So just give the Lord a hand for that. This is about to become a reality. Hey, turn your Bibles, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. We are going to continue a series that I've been doing for several weeks. It was called Supernatural. Supernatural, it was about the power and presence of God in everyday life. And I want to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit this morning. He is the unseen yet real third person of the Godhead. And for the believer, the Bible will teach us that the Holy Spirit lives inside us. Let's look at the basic scripture, Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus made this statement to the early church. It was after his resurrection, before his ascension... And Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's not power you get from a gym, from lifting weights. The Greek word is dunamis. We get our English word dynamite. It is a spiritual power, but it's power for a purpose. Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. So this is what we're talking about. God the Holy Spirit coming to us for a spiritual purpose to help us live the Christian life, to help us be a light in the world. Now today specifically, I want to talk about how the Holy Spirit communicates with us in everyday life. First of all, let me ask that question. How many believe that the Holy Spirit still communicates today? Well, if you're not sure about that, I want to show you from the Bible that he does. It's not spooky. It's not weird. Uh, but, but, but God is a speaking God. Let me, and let me give you a scriptural basis for that. Acts chapter 2, verse 16. It is shortly after the day of Pentecost. You remember the day of Pentecost, what happened? They were in the upper room praying. The Holy Spirit fell in the room. And these people began to speak in languages that they didn't learn. They were singing. And people outside the room understood what they said. And the net result was 3,000 people came to Christ. And then Peter began to explain what was happening. And here's what he said. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He said, in the last days, and this is key, because the last days began, someone suggests the last days began when Jesus was resurrected or the life of Jesus, but certainly at the birth of the church, going into the consummation or the end of the age. Listen, I, I for one, believe we need to take care of our planet, but I am not worried about mankind destroying the planet. And let me tell you why. Because the Bible says one day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And God will recreate this planet. You'll read about it in the book of Peter if you've never heard that taught. But the last days are a period of time we're living in. 
And Peter said these words, in the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit. See, when I do this, I want you to say what the next word is. I'll pour out my spirit on all people, and here's what will happen. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. How many young men here? Let me see your hand here. Your old men will dream dreams. How many old men are here? Look at Jim Ware's lifted up his hand back there. Well, Jim's dreaming dreams, and I'm, I'm still seeing visions. But then he says this. He said, even on my servants, he broadens it. Men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Now, dreams, we all have dreams all the time. Some are spiritual, most are not. A vision, I would suggest to you, it's like a, a clip of a movie, or it's like a picture. It's some visual communication that God initiates. This word prophecy, it means that God inspires us to speak to people on his behalf to help them. Now, I'm going to take next week, the entire message will be about the New Testament gift of prophecy. It is the one gift in the New Testament that the Bible, uh, Scripture encourages all of us to pursue. But today I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit communicating. Now, these visions, dreams, prophecy, three examples of many examples of the way that God speaks to us. But um, I call this spiritual communication God's GPS. Now, how many know you've got a phone? That phone does some incredible things, and all you're doing most of the time is on the receiving end. But the other day, I, I talked to Siri. My wife doesn't know I have a girlfriend named Siri, but I talked to her a lot. I said, Siri, how do you get from my house to Church on the Rock, Texarkana? And here's what she said. You go from Redwater, and she gave me three options there. I generally go up 67, hit the loop, and come right over to the church. But I want you to leave that up a second and think about how that happened because we take it for granted. GPS means Global Positioning Satellite. It's a series of satellite technology that our government owns. But there is a communication that started from my phone to the satellite, and the satellite went to a server and it came back to my phone. I want to suggest to you there's a divine communication that happens just like this. Sometimes when we pray and talk to God, God will talk back to us in ways we understand. Oftentimes God will communicate like we just read. There was a dream, there's a vision that came to someone. With the prophecy, it's like the Holy Spirit in the person told them to speak to someone else. And I'm going to stretch your thinking because I was not raised this way. But I want to show you from the Bible. I want to show you first from the words of Jesus that Jesus said the Holy Spirit wants to communicate with us. And then we'll look at two really cool examples in the book of Acts, how profound things happened when people were listening to God. And lastly, I'll give you some very practical ideas about how to hear the voice of the Lord and not be led into error. So I've called this um, God's GPS. And I'll say this on a personal level. I have been profoundly impacted, and I'm going to say this loosely, but by the voice of God. I don't mean a voice that I hear with these ears, but somehow you know inside you that God is speaking. I mean, no, we are body, soul, and spirit. We're very familiar with the body. I mean, you can find virtually anything about the, the body uh, on the Internet. Doctors are so skilled in their knowledge of the body. But the mind, the spirit... The soul, we're confused about what this is. It's hard to segregate it. The Bible teaches that you and I, we are spirit beings. We live in a body and we have a soul. Our soul is our mind, our will, our emotions. It's our mind, our thinking. And somewhere in this internal spirit soul is where this communication takes place. Uh, in my own life, 
I was in my early 20s trying to decide what I was going to do with my life, and I was at a gathering of, I, I was seeking the Lord, and in the back of my mind, I kind of thought that I wanted to go in vocational ministry. I, I, I stood before a group of prophets in the body of Christ. One laid his hands on me. His name was George Evans. And the first thing out of his mouth was, a shepherd's heart is within him. In other words, God recognized the pastoral gift on my life, and it was just like something leapt inside. God was speaking. About 30 years ago, I was pastoring in Palestine, Texas, quite happy. I had an invitation to come here to Texarkana and preach. I wasn't looking to go, but I was driving down Highway 155 between Tyler and Linden, and as I was coming across a long stretch of bottom, I, 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 it's locked in my mind. It was a bridge. It was water. I saw some cypress trees, and again, I heard a voice. In some way, an inner witness, but God told me, I want you to go to that church. I'd never been here. I'd not preached a sermon. I hadn't seen a financial statement. I didn't know anything about it. All I knew was God was speaking. And how many know when we know when God speaks and we act on these things, it has profound, profound results for the rest of our life. And this is what I want to talk to you about. Uh, something that's certainly big picture, but something that will help you in your everyday life. I am fully convinced that the Holy Spirit can warn us from danger. You may be about to go in a dangerous situation, and we say, I had a check in my spirit and shouldn't go in. How many know the Lord is involved and active, and I want to help you understand this today, not in a weird way, mystical, weird, spooky, but in a, in a very biblically-based way that you can be convinced that God wants to speak to you, and uh, hopefully it'll, it, it'll help you. Let's begin. John chapter 10. If you've got your Bible, go to the Gospel of John. I'm going to look at a couple scriptures because Jesus said the Holy Spirit would communicate with us his followers. Jesus said in John 10, 27, I bet you know this. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And what do they do? They, they follow me. Jesus said, we as sheep. Now, here's a couple pictures. And it, uh, would to God the whole church was like this. And I mean the, everywhere. If Jesus is the shepherd, they're all hearing his voice and following. Now, that's a great picture. But look at this center shot. Um, in ancient Palestine, when they would keep their sheep, there would be people that would try to steal. There would be wolves. Uh, there would be uh, their version of coyotes. And what they would do at nighttime is they would put them in a pen. It could have been built of rocks. It could have been built of trees. But it was rarely for just one person. It might be four or five shepherds would come together. They'd all put their sheep in there. And you would say, well, how would they find their sheep? This is very interesting. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And the shepherd, as you can see this one, what he's doing is he's calling. And he would walk through that pen and he would call his sheep. And the sheep would hear the voice because they knew that voice would lead them to water. That voice would lead them to food. That voice would protect them and they would go after him. This is exactly what the Holy Spirit wants for us today. Jesus said this in John 14. He said he'd ask the Father and the Father would give you another helper. This is a word for the Holy Spirit. Helper, comforter. He's, it's the Greek word parakletos. It means counselor, advisor, and comforter. Now, counselor, advisor connotate a relationship between two people. So the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. Jesus made this promise, and we know this is for us. He said the Holy Spirit would be with us forever. And then he said this profound thing, you know him, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. Now, that's profound. Is it possible that when I invite Christ in my life, 
What that's code for is Holy Spirit come in my life. And what you find as a Christian, if you're genuinely born again, you change. And that change is not just because you have a different way of thinking. God is somehow shaping and molding your life. And I suggest he is not silent. For example, when you do something wrong. How many know the Holy Spirit, one of the things he does, he convicts us of sin. Uh, So the Holy Spirit would speak through the twinge of guilt. The Holy Spirit could pull on your conscience and cause you to feel sadness. The Holy Spirit might prompt you to go to that person and ask forgiveness. You think, well, I just feel to do these things. I feel they're right. It could be that there's someone on the inside communicating and nudging. John 14, 26, Jesus said, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send. Now listen to this. He will teach you all things. Now how does he do that? I think this is a possibility. I was watching a movie. I don't like reality movies. I like non-reality. I get enough reality in everyday life. But I was watching this old Kevin Costner movie. And in the middle of it, normally I don't analyze movies. I just kind of sit there, you know, and eat popcorn or whatever. But I found myself analyzing the themes of this movie and seeing how unbiblical they were. And I felt it was a teaching moment from the Holy Spirit. He'll bring things to your remembrance that I've said to you. In other words, the Holy Spirit interacts with our thinking process, causing us to remember things. One of the most important things we remember is Scripture. In the darkest season of my life, when I was struggling with panic attacks and anxiety issues and and was just barely functional, this Scripture kept coming to mind. Philippians 1.6 He who began the good work in you, he will bring it to completion into the J of Jesus Christ. So helpless little me said, I can't do it, but this strength came to me as I remember. Well, this is the Holy Spirit, how he works. John 16, Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you into all truth. He'll not speak his own words, but speak what he hears. Listen to this. He'll tell you what is to come. Between services, someone came up to me and they said, when they were a Christian, when they were younger, they had got a load of wood and uh, they were on a dirt road and people had been doing, you know, the deer hunting, going back across it and it was rutted to the max. He said he didn't have four-wheel drive and he was just in the ruts and he said, I had to go fast enough where, uh, you know, I wouldn't get stuck. So he says, I'm probably going 30, 35 miles an hour down this muddy road and he said, I heard this thought came to my mind. And the thought said, it was a quote from the book of Acts, believe on the Lord and you'll be saved. He said, well, I know that. And he's driving on further. He said, believe on the Lord, call on the Lord. Uh, I think it's call on the Lord and you'll be saved. And I'm thinking, what? So he's driving his truck and there's a peak of a hill and he's going 35. And at the peak of the hill, there's another guy going 35. How many know you don't stop very good in the mud? Both of them slammed on their brakes. They said they fishtailed, got out of the ruts. Now you think two cars going 30, 35 miles an hour if they hit each other. It was like God was warning him of things to come. The spirit of truth will bring glory to me because, listen to this, he'll take what I have to say and he will punch your neighbor and say, he will tell you things. Some of you wouldn't do what I asked no matter what I said. Now, now that can be spooky and weird. Has anybody ever been around somebody really weird that was saying God was talking to him? Now, come on, it's out there. But don't let the weirdo 
make you lose or miss the possibility that the Spirit of God in you can guide you through this life. Now, let me look at a couple of cool examples in the book of Acts. The first one, Philip. Uh, Philip was uh, a deacon. Uh, he had fled Jerusalem because of the persecution. He's in Samaria, and miracles are happening. Now, some of us have been taught that the supernatural things happen through the apostles. But if you read this account, you could go back and you could see Philip saw miraculous healings, deliverances. He's, a, he's a, an ordinary guy. He's like me. He's a deacon. But Acts 8.26 says this, An angel of the Lord said to Philip. So now we see another way God communicates through an angel. Now, is, do you believe in angels? We don't see them on a common basis, but the Bible teaches they're real. Now listen, kids in particular, you're raised in what I'll call a materialistic world, and they will teach you that nothing real exists outside what science can show you. Through the microscope, through the telescope, through the algorithms, nothing is real outside of that. But the Bible teaches there is a spiritual unseen world that is real. In this world, God lives, Satan lives, demons lives, but angels live. And Hebrews 1.14 tells us that angels are ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Now, how many people are going to inherit salvation? Raise your hand at me. The Bible says the rest of you at the end of the service will have a prayer and you will pray for you. But angels are sent to serve us, and yet we can't see them, but they're working behind the scenes. And I say this to you, again, not to encourage you to, you know, look under the cover to see if an angel's there. But yesterday I was praying about something. I found myself, I, there was a weakness that I was wrestling with and I didn't feel I could do it. I said, Lord, would you send an angel to strengthen me just like you were strengthened in the Garden of Gethsemane? It was a place of faith for me to draw on the supernatural. So anyway, the angel says, get ready, go south to the road that leads to Gaza from Jerusalem, a desert road. In other words, in the middle of this miraculous revival, if it were happening in Texarkana, every television station from Dallas to Little Rock to Shreveport would be here to see what's going on. In the middle of that, this angel said, no, I want you to go south. Didn't give him an explanation or a reason. It's almost like you getting ready to go home and you just said, this sound may sound weird, but I just feel the Lord wants me to stop at Sam's. And your wife says, I know why you want to stop at Sam's. See if that big screen TV is still there. But, but, but it's kind of on that line. Well, look at verse 27. Philip got ready and he went. Now, here's something you'll see. If you want to be led by the Holy Spirit, you've got to do what the Lord says. Philip got ready and went, and on the road he saw a man from Ethiopia, think northern Africa, an important officer in the service of the queen. He'd gone to Jerusalem to worship. He was not a Christian, but he was a God-fearer. And as he was on his way home, he's sitting in the chariot, reading from the book of Isaiah the prophet. You might say, wow, what a coincidence. Divine coincidence. The Spirit, look at verse 29, the Spirit said to Philip. You say, well, how did he do that? I don't know. But somehow, God was speaking. He said, go to that chariot and stay near it, or that cart where the, where the guy is. And Philip ran. Once again, is the best of his abilities trying to obey God. And if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. Try genuinely to hear the Lord. Try to respond. And if you mess up, don't quit. Learn. Just like you give your kids the freedom to learn, learn to hear God by experimenting. But Philip knew the voice. He ran towards the chariot, and he said, do you understand what you're reading? And listen to this, how remarkable this is. 
How can I understand unless someone explains it to me? And then he invited Philip to sit with him, and the scripture was this. He was talking about Jesus, like a sheep being led to be killed, shamed, treated unfairly. His life on earth is ended. And the officer said to Philip, please tell me, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And at that very same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Remember what the Holy Spirit was going to do in Acts 1-8? Give us power to be what? Witnesses. And this is exactly what's happening right here. The man gets baptized in water and off we go. Listen, he was a man on a strategic mission to reach people for Christ. My dear friend Larry Myers, uh, 40 years of age, pastoring in Denison, Texas. Uh, he felt God call him to Mexico. Uh, and uh, his denomination said, you're too old to go to Mexico. You don't have any support. And Larry said, well, I've got a problem because God told me to go. He goes down there. The long story, 40 years later, there are literally, God only knows how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of churches have congregations, have been built all over the state of Mexico, two hospitals, orphanages, a network of pastors that surround the nation, all because a man heard God and said yes. But listen to this. There was a group of Indians in the southernmost state of Chiapas Christianity today called the Chamula Indians the most violent people group in the Western Hemisphere. Larry's at a conference serving, just going to you know, meet people and learn. He meets a man, and the man's name is Ayala. Ayala tells him about these Indians in southern Mexico. And Larry said, I felt the Lord wanted me to go. This is an unreached people group. They are not Christians. They're violent people. He goes down there, and now, some 20, 25 years later, there are multiplied tens of thousands of these little Chamula Indians across the state of Chiapas, all because a man had a divine encounter and said yes. Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand. Let me give you another quick one. Go to uh, 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 Acts 16. Paul and Silas on a missionary journey. And I'm going to be a little quick with this one. But they went through the region. Now, this may not mean much to you, but they're going to put a map on the screen. They went through the region of Phygeria and Galatia. Notice what it says. Forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. How did the Holy Spirit forbid them? I don't know. It could have been a prophecy. It could have been some strong inner witness. Uh, I, I don't know what it was, but somehow... God, it could have been a dream or a vision. We don't know. Bottom line, though, but God said, don't go that way. Now, these men are moving. But they forbidden by the Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When Paul, uh, I'm sorry, verse 7, when they'd come to a place called Mycenae. Okay, so here, let's figure this out. They're, uh, here's Antioch where they're starting. And they're, and they're here, they're in Galatia and Phygeria preaching the word. Asia's back over here. Where they're going to end up is over here in Macedonia. Spain's over here, and we're over here in the United States is over there. India and the Hindu nation's over here. He's, all these people need Jesus, but he's going through here, and he reaches an area called Mycenae, and the Holy Spirit there at Troas. Notice what it says. They passed by Mycenae, went down to Troas. So here they're by the Aegean Sea in Troas, spending the night. He has a vision. Verse 9 and in his vision, a man of Macedonia was standing there, said, come over to Macedonia and help us. When Paul had seen the vision, we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God called us to preach the gospel to them. So now what does that mean? The gospel went west, ultimately to Spain, one day to America, 
instead of going east to India the way that they wanted it to go. Now, we're blessed because of We're here today because of divine communication that took the gospel left rather than right. How many can say thank the Lord for that? All right. Now, let me, let me uh, head towards the end. I need you to give me an extra minute or two because that baby dedication, a couple extra things. But I want to talk to you about the three different voices that influence you and how to know the voice of God. One voice that is loud is the voice of our soul. It's our emotions. It's our desires. Uh, how many know it, it's easy to hear what we want to hear? But we can be confused by our desires. Uh, have anybody ever decided you need a new car and went to the car lot uh, to pray? <laughs> Lord Jesus, wow. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading me here. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for 1.9% interest rate for the rest of my life. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying don't buy a new car, but all I'm saying is you can get, or how about this one? Wow, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my whole life. Wow, I don't have my billfold, but I'll get it. I think I want to marry you. Something happens in our soul. And, and, and I just go, need to go ahead and warn you, it's real. It's a loud voice. I have the hardest time hearing God when I have emotion in something. When I have desire, when I have feelings, it's hard for me to hear the Lord. But there's another voice. It's the voice of the devil. After 40 days of temptation, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and here's this big understatement. He, he was hungry. Now notice verse 3. The tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. I wonder if he actually saw some impression of Satan, or I wonder if it was in his mind. I have always understood this passage that Satan came to his mind. And here Jesus, before he begins his ministry, God yet man, struggling with perhaps his identity and very hungry, and Satan is there to speak. Just like Satan came to Eve and lied to her about the power of that apple. Satan has a voice, and it's real. How many can say, I've listened, and it's led me in a ditch? Yeah, sure. Okay, but here's the third one, is obviously the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me wrap up with this. How can we know we're hearing God's voice? Again, this is something I think maturity helps us with, but the most important thing I tell you is this. The Holy Spirit will always go along with Scripture and never contradict it. If you're healing, hearing, feeling something, somebody gives you a prophecy, whatever it is, and you feel that it may be the Lord, but if it goes against the Bible, don't do it. Don't do it. If you, uh, <laughs> if you look in the back of the newspaper, and today is the last day of the 40% sale-off of the already uh, significantly reduced merchandise at Dillard's, and you have this thought, that you should use your tithe because how much money you'll save in the future and you'll be able to help more missionaries if you just use your tithe today. Okay, now I'm getting a little personal there. I don't think that's the Lord. I, that may be sound a little silly, but oftentimes I see Christian people, well-meaning people. I've heard Christians say, God told me he wants me to be happy and I'm going to marry her because she doesn't make me happy anymore. I don't think that's the voice of the Lord. 
I think there's a different way. That's the most important thing, the scripture, number one. The number two is a big one because, again, this is subjective. The Holy Spirit will bring what I'm going to call an inner witness of peace. What do I mean by that? Colossians 3.15, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The Amplified Translation said, Let the peace from Christ act as an umpire in your hearts. What's an umpire do? He calls balls and strikes, or how about this, right and wrong. An umpire calls yes or no. And the Holy Spirit, as you grow in your walk with God, the Holy Spirit, through this witness of peace, will give you a sense about God's voice and the right thing to do and the right time to do it. Uh, let me give you a third one. The Holy Spirit won't contradict himself. What do I mean by that? For example, let's say you're young, you're going to college, and uh, you're excited, you meet with your counselor, and you prayed, and you felt the Lord wants you to, uh, uh, to go in business. And the next day you go, you go meet with somebody else and you're talking with one of your friends and they're in psychology and you prayed and you felt the Holy Spirit wants you to go in psychology. Now, how many know one of those were not the Holy Spirit? Maybe neither one. And what you find in life, if you become kind of a Christian schizophrenic, you're not hearing God because God tends to move along a consistent path and purpose for our life. And double-mindedness is not from the Lord. James even said, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let me give you a fourth one. When the Holy Spirit communicates, he advances God's purposes. Okay, so pastor, what do you mean by that? Let's talk about dreams just a second. I have had a few dreams in my life that I really think were from the Lord. Most of them are not. But let's imagine I, I'm having this dream, and it's kind of like wakey time in the morning, you know. It's, I don't know, whatever, close before you get up. And in my dream, I see this beautiful field and woods, and on the edge of the woods, there are, there are cypress trees around a slew of water. There's a flooded rice field, and ducks are flocking in by the hundreds. And as I look to the other end of the field, I see turkeys roosting in the trees, and they're flying out to the middle right where I'm sitting. Now, if you have a dream like that, let me suggest hit the snooze on your alarm and enjoy that dream a little more. Are, are, are you with me today? I don't know that that's the Lord. But what if you woke up in the morning and you had a burden for a missionary in a nation? For example, the nation of Haiti. Uh, we have dear friends that are there, apostolic ministry. Uh, Haiti, he says, is, is in the worst crisis he's seen in 30 years. Uh, it's in a terrible place. Uh, school's been shut down. They burned the gas stations. You can't go out and buy food because all the grocery stores are closed up and you can't, they don't have water because of, there's no electricity. They're, they're in a crisis. Well, how many know if you wake up in the morning and your heart is burdened for Haiti, I think you need to help the missionary. Yeah. Uh, 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 with me there's a difference between ducks and turkeys and missionaries. But again, this is all subjective. But as you walk with God... As you try to stay in step with the Spirit, we find what we believe to be the Word of the Lord, and, and it's obviously confirmed. Now, let me give you the last one, then I'm going to close. Uh, I'm not going to need those minutes after all, but I would like to use them another week when I do need them. How about that? Some of you guys wouldn't laugh at anything. I'm not that funny, but that was kind of funny. All right, here we go. The fifth thing, seek confirmation from mature Christians. If somebody says... The Holy Spirit told me to do something, but I'm not going to tell anybody because they'll tell me not to do it. Run away from it. Run away from it. 
let me give you what Paul said. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, now he's talking about the spiritual gift of prophecy. That's what we're going to talk about next week. Uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, two or three prophets should speak and others should weigh carefully to what is said. Some translations say judge. What does that mean? In other words, I, I don't think the proper way to prophesy is, yea, yea, thus says the Lord. Now, how many know you can't really argue with that? But if somebody says, I believe the Lord's saying this, the Lord wants us to do this, what the Bible says is to let other spiritually mature people discern it. Yes, we agree. We believe that's the Lord. No, we don't believe that's the Lord. We're not sure you need to wait on that. All of us need to approach our spiritual life with our hands of submission open, asking not just the Lord to show us what to do, but godly people around us. And my last scripture, it's in Proverbs where there's no counsel, people fail, but in the multitude of counsel, there is safety. And if you will have the wisdom to bring it to other people. Listen, I have been trying to hear the Lord all my life. I spend, The way I pick my sermons, I don't, I don't go to sermon.com. I don't ask somebody what they think I should preach on. I spend hours walking around my prayer path asking the Lord what to talk about and bring before you. I hope it feeds your soul, but I live my life that way. I live my life praying about everything that's going on in my world and trying to hear the Lord. I have made mistakes, but just because I made mistakes in trying to hear the Lord before, I believe still it's biblical and He can do a better job telling me what to do than I can do on figuring out on my own. Hey, listen, God knew about those Chamula Indians. Uh, Larry didn't know about them, but Larry just said yes. This Macedonian vision, they wanted to go east towards India, but God knew the gospel, He wanted it to go west. It all results, listen, in hearing the Lord and doing what he says. Give him a good hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet? I want to I pray with you this morning. I'll give you this little thought as, you're, as we're leaving. Uh, finding direction from God's like riding a bicycle. How many know when that bicycle's moving, it's easy to turn? But when that bicycle's sitting still, how many know it doesn't turn too good, does it? You fall down. If you'll just start following the Lord as best you know how, wake up tomorrow morning and say, Lord, I give you my day. You're moving. Go to bed tonight and say, Lord, thanks for the day. Watch over me as my sleep. Direct my steps tomorrow. You're moving. I'll share this thought with you. How many know when you're driving a car? Now, how many people more on the conservative, reluctant side? Let me see your hand here. You're a bunch of liars. I know at least half of you are. I am. And if I'm not careful, sometimes I'm apt to stop at a green light. Now, when you think about guidance with God, how many know God has already told us to go into all the world? You drive through those green lights until one turns red. And when God gives you a yellow, a yellow you slow down. When he gives you a red, you stop. But you keep going and keep moving. And as you go and as you move, the Holy Spirit will direct you and your life will end up with profound significance because you've been led by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray today. I want you to just pause just a moment and just say, Lord, I, I want this. Some of it might have been new to me. Some of it might have been a little over my head or I don't understand it all. But I, if Jesus said the Holy Spirit was going to teach me things, then I want to learn them. If Jesus said the Holy Spirit would bring things to my remembrance and you'd talk to me and teach me, I want to hear that. So 
So I give you the right, Holy Spirit, to lead me, to guide me, to direct me. I don't want to just live my life as a self-directed person. I want to live my life directed by God. If you'd like to do this, I want to ask you to just symbolically surrender to the Lord by lifting your hands to heaven. It's a recognition that God is God and I'm not. It's a recognition that Jesus is first and I'm second. It's a recognition that I'm helpless without Him. But it's a way of saying, Lord, I need your spiritual power so I can be a witness for Christ. I need the anointing, the filling of the Holy Spirit. I want, Lord, to be able to hear your voice and help develop in me a heart that will obey what you say to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's close this way today. We're going to have a final song. And after this song or during this song, we're going to have our prayer team come forward for prayer. Listen, powerful things can happen when we pray. If you're here today and there's some really tough things out in the world you've got to face, let's pray with you about it. Maybe you're here today and maybe this kind of got you stirred for something fresh from the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're wanting a fresh baptism, a fresh filling of the Spirit. You want that to be more real. Let somebody lay hands on you, pray for you. We'll pray about anything in your life. Maybe there's somebody that you care about that's in trouble. We want to be able to pray for them. But the most important thing I'd like to pray about today is your own personal walk with God. Maybe you're here today and say, Pastor, you know what? That's what I need. I just need to start walking with Jesus every day. See, maybe you're like me. I was raised in church, but how many know going to church doesn't make you a Christian? What makes you a Christian is surrendering your life to Christ and following Him. It's a literal event. It happened for me August 15th, listen, 1976. Long time ago. But I remember it like it was yesterday. When on that very day, I, I prayed a prayer. And I said, Lord, I believe in you. I've sinned and I've done wrong and I ask you to forgive me. And then I literally asked Jesus to come and be a part of my life. And then here's the big one. I committed my life to follow him. And I'm telling you, friend, I've never been the same and I never want to go back to the way I used to be. In my old life, it was like a bucket with a hole in it in my heart. I'd fill it up. I'd get a stick. We had a little eight-packs back then. I don't know what you got now, but we'd fill it up with eight-packs. We'd light something up. We'd have a party. The only problem the next day, I'd wake up with a headache. But that evening, I'd want to do it again because I just wanted to fill that bucket. I wanted to fill that bucket with education. I wanted to fill it with my sports. I wanted to fill it with relationships. But every day, it would drain out and it needed to be filled. You know what was missing? my relationship with God and when my relationship with God got right all that other stuff took care of itself so if you're here today and say pastor I want to get right with God and I want to pray and I want to do it today I'm gonna to encourage you when we start to sing this song just slip out of your chair and come meet someone at the cross there's something powerful about that walk the symbolism of that walk to the cross you are walking away from your past and symbolically walking towards Christ we will pray for you. There'll be someone there to pray for you, and they'll give you something to help you in your Christian life. Whether it's a first-time commitment or whether you've gotten away from the Lord and today you're coming back, we'd be honored to pray with you. Let's go ahead and begin to sing, Pastor Zach. I want our prayer team to come to the front right now. They'll pray with you about anything. Most importantly, if you need to get your life right with God, we'll see you at the cross. I love you, and thanks so much for coming. Sing this song. Jesus,